Uh, let's get into the message this morning. Uh, we're in this series the Lord's given us called Generosity. Generosity. And in this series of generosity, uh, this morning we're going to be looking specifically at God as our example. God is our example of generosity. And I don't know about you, but I am so glad that God is a giver. Amen. That God is not a taker, but God is a giver. If there's one person, uh, one reason I found that people don't like to come to God is because he's, uh, he's been presented to them as a taker. Have you ever had God presented to you as a taker? Which absolutely makes no logical perspective of at all. If you were to think about it, what does God really need from you? Can you imagine if God was hungry and he came to you and said, I'm, hung I'm hungry. What could you do about it? Come on now. We know that God doesn't need anything from us. But we grow up with this lie that the enemy has tried to purport that God is a taker. And folks don't come to God if they think of him as a taker because they're afraid he'll take their life away and he'll take their freedom away and he'll take their joy away. He'll take their fun away. He'll take their choices away. He'll take their decisions away. And, uh, and, and that's why the enemy has pushed this lie the way that he has. Now, we got to remember that Satan has always come in to twist the word of God. He doesn't change the whole word of God but he twists it just a little bit to pervert it. He did that when he came to Eve in the garden and he says, has God surely said, and he did a little twist. He did it even with Jesus. When Jesus was in the desert during the wilderness temptation, he came in and he twisted the word just a little bit to try and get him off track. And he does the same for us in trying to twist it to say God is a taker rather than a giver. But I found in my personal experience in serving God now 30 plus years that rather than a taker, God is a giver. And he's not just an ordinary giver. He's an extravagant giver. Hallelujah. He is such an extravagant giver that when you give him something... He gives it back to you bigger than it was when it left your hand. You can ask a little boy who had a lunch. He had him a little two fish, five hush puppy snack pack. And, and he gives it to the use of the Lord. And God takes it. Jesus feeds 5,000 men, women and children, 15 plus thousand people. And just to show the extravagant giver he is, he gives back 12 basketfuls even in the end. See, God will not be outgiven. God will never be outgiven. He is a giver. You need to know that is the core of your theology. You need not listen to the lies of the enemy any longer. That God is, He loves you. He has given more for us than we can ever even receive. He is an extravagant giver. Hallelujah. Every breath that we breathe is a gift from the Lord. Every season that you've made it through is a gift from the Lord. Every time your blood recycles through your body and it makes one more circuit, one more trip to keep you alive, that's a gift from the Lord. Every beat of your heart is a gift from the Lord. Every piece of ground that you've ever stood on is a gift from the Lord. He's a giving God. He's an extravagant giver. The devil is a liar. And the truth of God be known because the truth 
truth of God will set you free. Hallelujah. So when we talk about generosity, we must first see that God is a generous giver. He is not a taker. He's an extravagant giver. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 32, we read together, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Jesus, the greatest gift of all, the very Son of God, was given for all of us. Say, that's me too. Come on, say, that's me too. Because the devil's been lying to some people to say God didn't love you enough to send his son for you. That Jesus didn't die for you. That you're too bad. That you've gone too far. That you've messed up too much. And, and, and God has not given his son to you. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. You must hear the truth today. That God, he did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. That's you as well as me. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? He will freely give us all things. He's not charging you for that next breath. He's not charging you for that next cycling of blood through your circulatory system. He's not charging you for that next uh, uh, ability and strength of you to move and function and live your life. It is freely given to us all. And when Jesus was here on this earth, the Bible says that he met every need and healed every sickness that was brought before him. And on the cross, even while hanging there, he gave his own life for you and me. And never, never did he ever take anything away from people who came to him. He never robbed a thing. He never took a thing. He never manipulated anyone. And the Bible says that whoever has seen Jesus has seen the Father. In John 14 and 9, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I've come to demonstrate the will of my Father who has sent me. So we know God is an extravagant giver. Now again, Satan tries everything in his power to reverse this thought. He works harder at trying to get you to believe the opposite of the truth in this area. I've seen uh, some Christians mistakenly believe that, that God is a taker. And they demonstrate it. I see it at funerals sometimes where I've heard ministers say, and I wanted to stand up in the middle of the message and say, I object. I object. I don't know that would probably not be fitting, but that's what my spirit man is saying. Where ministers at funerals before, I've heard them say, well, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. You know it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And, uh, you know, I've seen it once with, uh, it was a teenager that was in a car accident. A teenager that was taken away early. And they said, oh, God needed another angel. Well, first and foremost, we need to get our theology correct. Because angels are lower, lower than we are. Because we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We are sons and daughters of God. And God doesn't need another ministering servant in heaven. He knows how to create what he needed for what needed to be done. But he's wanting to grow his family. So don't step out of his family and lower yourself to be an angel. Be a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Amen. But I've heard him say, you know, God needed another angel. And so he just, he just took him out. I know it's young, 14 years old, taken out. I've heard them say it, you know. Job displayed this same uh, mindset and attitude when he received the news that he had lost all of his property and he had lost his children. And thinking that God was the source of his problems and he didn't really know that it was Satan that was behind all of this. 
And then he said, naked I came into this earth and naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, and we go and take that scripture as though that's the, the truth. And that was, that was Job's understanding. He was wrong. The devil is the one that came and took away. And these statements, they, they seem to honor God, but really it reveals an erroneous view of our Heavenly Father and makes people see Him as this taker who is watching over you. And if you step out of line, He's going to send a Holy Ghost whip and, and pop you. And if you really get out of line, He's going to take you. And if He sees that you're going to fall away in the years to come, He's going to kill you early so that you don't make that mistake. <clears throat> Well, then why did he let so many others live and make the mistake? You know, so we got to get our theology correct. God is a giver. He is not a taker. Now, I know there's a popular song, <clears throat> you know, for God. It said the Lord gave and the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a chorus that we've even sung at this church. But I always say, let's get our theology right and say the Lord gives. He gives us healing. He gives us deliverance. He gives us joy. He gives us provision. He gives us eternal life. And he takes away the curse. And he takes away. Let's take about what he does take away. He took away what the devil put on us so that the blessing could come on us. Amen. <clears throat> And if the core of your theology is not correct, <clears throat> it will affect all of your life. You will not have faith to believe God for what you need to believe God for. And you'll have fear that will make you turn from God when you need to really embrace God. So we must get this understanding. That's why in Luke 12, 32, he said, Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So, so Jesus said the devil is a thief. Now, why don't we just believe God when his son talks to us and says, listen here, in John 10 and 10, he said the devil is a thief. The devil comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. And he says in the latter part of that uh, verse 10, he said, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So let us take our theology from Jesus Christ. The very son of the living God who said the devil is the taker and I am the giver. Hallelujah. Our God is an extravagant giver. Praise his holy name. So I want us to look this morning at four ways God provides for you. Four ways that God provides for you. And the first way we see that God provides is the hand of man. The hand of man. He says in Luke 6, 38, Jesus speaking here, Give, and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men, who? Shall men, people, shall people give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it's going to be measured back to you. Jesus is teaching us here, that he will use the hand of man to get the multiplied blessing from the law of reciprocity back into your life. Hallelujah. That God will use people to get his provisions to you. But we must be careful when provision comes through the hand of man that we never look at man as the source and we will always look to God as the source. God is always our source. Amen. And I want you to claim this promise today. 
This is a promise. It is yours that as I give to God, he will provide for me and my family. He's going to provide good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. He's going to cause people to give into my life. You need to claim that promise. Jesus gave you that promise. That's what Jesus says, I'm backing up. If you give me something, I'll take whatever you give me and I'll give it back to you through the hands of man. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. I'll do a miracle of increase if you will give to me, saith the Lord. So God will use the hand of man. I remember uh, as a teenager... And when I came to know the Lord, it just didn't sit right with my dad at the time. And he's like, you know, let God feed you. So I, as a teenager, I move out and I'm sleeping in my car and I'm still in high school and I'm trying to figure out, Lord, how, how is this going to work? What are you going to do? And I immediately went from a bag boy to assistant manager of this big grocery store on a salary and pension uh, payment plan and all this uh, all this stuff, insurance and all that stuff that, you know, teenager, what did I know about that? And then through that, these, uh, a couple that owned a restaurant came in and met me and they were buying wholesale meat from our butcher shop and they wanted me to come over and they gave me half of their restaurant. They had no children and they said, we want, God told us to give you half of the property, half of the income, half of everything that's owned here. So I went just and as a teenager. Now I'm owning a half of a restaurant and I'm owning the 7-Eleven building next door and the rent that comes from that and all of this stuff. And it's like, wow. God is such a provider. And I, I'm just saving my money and I'm saving my money and being very frugal. And the Lord's calling me to preach. So I, we, we sell the restaurant. I didn't want the profit from it because they'd worked their whole life for it. But I'd saved up some good money that I'd made while working there. And, and uh, so I uh, sold a fancy car that I had and, and I went and got an older car and I'm going off to Bible college. And I've, I've got the money saved up, but I didn't know all my expenses there. It was a wild card. So I said, I'm going to keep my money in the bank and I'm going to put a note on the car. So I got this car. Payment was $101.02. It was a 76 Dodge Diplomat Burgundy with a white half vinyl top and uh, vinyl seats that looked leather, but they really weren't. And uh, so and off, off to Greenville, South Carolina, I go and uh, as a student. So when I get there, I got all this money in the savings and the Lord's needing to teach me something. And I didn't realize it. And the Lord spoke to me in chapel right as soon as we we're getting started there at the college. He says, I want you to give 90 percent of everything away uh, and I want you to do it uh, anonymously. And uh, so I'm like, Lord, I'm, first I didn't say Lord. I said, devil, get thee behind me. I said, that's a devil trying to steal. That's the devil. The Lord wanted to act to get me to give. He wanted to, he wanted to get this miracle working in my life. And for me not to see man as my source, but to see him as my source. So eventually I, 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 I succumbed to it and I gave away the 90%, had 10% left, a little bit of money in the bank. But I didn't have enough to pay my car payment because after buying my books and all the, uh, getting my dorm room set up and all the stuff that I bought for my dorm room, I, I didn't know that. I, down to just dollars, you know. So I'm like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And the Lord says, all things come through to him who believes. And you need to do some praying. And uh, boy, did I learn to pray. And I said, Lord, I thank you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I thank you that you're going to meet the need according to your riches and glory. I thank you, God. And uh, the day came for my payment to be due. And, and I don't, it didn't get any mail. Pat Willis was with us in the first service. He was in my class of 85. Uh, 
He was here this morning in first service, and he vouched for all of this because he's right down the hall from me. And there, I didn't get email. They, these guys are getting all these goodie packages, and they're getting all this stuff. And it's like everybody forgot me for some reason. Now, the Lord needed to teach me something. Don't trust, the hand of, uh, don't trust in man when God provides through the hand of man. So there I am praying, and there Philip Nobus comes, and he says, mail, and slid an envelope under the door. And I ran to that thing like a dog running to a treat that he just got handed. And I grabbed that thing and ripped it open, and there was a letter. And it was from the couple. They were here in May when we had the dedication of the building and our 25th anniversary here at Christian Embassy. The Richardsons, they, they drove from South Carolina, and you guys got to meet them. Well, it was from them. And they said, I've got this uh, shrimping vessel. I bought it. It's Abbey Lane. It's going to be my hobby. I, I really want to be out on the water and uh, get away from the busy, busy uh, week uh, that I have and just enjoy God's nature and, and let it pay for itself and its crew. He said, but when I was having my devotion this morning, the Lord said, I want you to take 10% of what you catch today, and I want you to send it to this Bible college student, Tim Lambert, in Greenville, South Carolina. You can get in contact, contact with him through his mama. So he said, this is what the letter is saying. He said, so we went out and we caught the shrimp. We got to the Georgetown Seafood Market and they were having an auction on the bidding of prices. They were fluctuating as the auctioneers were calling out. We separated jumbo shrimp, large shrimp, medium shrimp, and small shrimp. And he said it's all scaled and weighed on its different measure of its different price that was at that moment that we were having them auctioned off and people were bidding on it. And he said, so we took the check, we took 10%, and that's what this is for. And guess how much it was for? $101.02. Can you? I mean, I'm 52 years old, and I'm still, wow, that God would take dumb shrimp that don't even have a brain, they got an intestine line, but they ain't got no brain. <laughs> and cause them in the jumbo, large, medium, and small to come in that at the auction price per one, per pound, as they were auctioned off, that would come to the very penny of what I needed. And get this, for four years... This family sent me a check from the Abbey Lane Shrimping Vessel for $101.02 every month. And on my birthday in May and at Christmas in December, they wouldn't even double it up. They would write two separate checks. They vouched this. They were just here in May. And we told you the story and let you ask them if you needed to, to vouch and find it as true. This is nothing puffed up. This is the honest truth. And for four years, $101.02. And God said, I don't want you to ever, ever get into fear and feel like you got to get on, take on a man-pleasing spirit in order for your provisions to be made. I want you to have an ear to hear what I tell you to say, tell you where you're to go and what to do, and that you'll do it with confidence and boldness because I am the one that is causing the hand of man to bring you the blessing. Hallelujah. Praise God. I remember with uh, building this church and we were at a place where 
the school, Veritas Christian Academy, they, their, their lease had run out where they were at, and their building was not large enough. It was stifling the growth of the school, and they were looking for a new facility. And it was a spirit-filled Christian school that was going to be a perfect marriage for the vision that we had. For our vision was to have a, K, a kindergarten, K-5 through 12th grade here uh, in this building. That was why the plans were drawn the way they were and everything. Uh, we didn't know that we would probably have to bring in an administrator, a principal and all that and start a school. But this was going to be perfect. One that was already established that would come in and partner with us. But they needed a facility and they needed it quickly. And we were paying as we were going. And we had the steel on the property and we had the footings out here. And it was, you know, in the next phase was going to take a lot of money. And it was taking us a while trying to raise that money. And the steel was beginning to rust. And we had a switching in contractors. And so there was a lot of factors there that looked like that were working against us. But so uh, we went and found this banker. She, Susan Murphy with uh, SunTrust, was with us here in May. She uh, says, I... She stood out here at Fellowship Hall with Pastor, Pastor Radika and myself looking out over the steel laying here and the footers and everything and looking at the plans. She says, I believe in this. We'd had numerous banks says, no, no, no. Some of them nicely said no. Some of them laughingly said no. And some of them with kind of an attitude said, no, get out of my office. So I was a little shy about a banker, you know. So here she stood and she says, I see it. And I'm going to fight for you guys. And she went to fight for us so that we could get the funds in so that we could get the building done so that the school wouldn't go take another facility, but they would come in here, which would help us in paying back uh, the bank. And it would be a win-win all the way around. So she went to fight for us. Well, it came back that we needed to raise a certain amount of money in order for the bank to partner with us. And... Uh, they wouldn't take into account the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars we had spent to dig out this hole of muck and bring in all that sand. Some of you drove even dump trucks to get it in and out. Praise God. We had volunteers doing everything. And uh, can you imagine my daughter, Morgan, and Sister Robin going in a dump truck, taking sand in and out and muck in and out the, uh, here. Man, it was, a, it was quite a project. And... Uh, so uh, we had been paying as we were going, so we didn't have any money saved. So they said we had to have a certain amount saved, and it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. And we're like, <clears throat> well, that's going to be difficult for us, but it's not difficult for God. So then through one of the families here, a family member who had never been to the church, who lives out of state, they call in and they said, the Lord's been telling me to help you guys out. And, uh, you, and, and I got message I needed to call. So I called her and she says, the Lord's been telling me I'm supposed to help out some more here. I'm supposed to help out. And uh, what do you need? And she said, well, first she said, I've been telling the Lord, you tell me to help out, but I don't know what, I don't have anything to help out with. I've got everything committed. And uh, so she said, I, he won't let me let this go. So she asked, what do you need? Well, I'm thinking she said she has nothing to help out with other than the God moving on her heart. So I should say, well, you know, $1,000 would be amazing. But we needed hundreds of thousands in order to meet the qualifications for the bank to partner with us to get it done, to get in the building downstairs. And uh, so, so the school could come in. So uh, we are like, and so I said, I'm just going to be, we need this. And I told her hundreds of thousands of dollars, told her amount. And she started crying. She said, my husband passed away in a, a plane crash and uh, he had an investment I didn't know about and it's matured 
And I've been telling the Lord, what should I give? What, what, do you want me to, what do you want me to help with? And she said, I just went to the mailbox. And she said the exact number of the hundreds of thousands of dollars, the exact number that you just said, Pastor, is what's on this check. And she said, I'm flying out to Europe for a European visit on Monday, and I'm not leaving the States until the money's wired into your account. She said, how do you wire it in? I said, I don't know, but we'll find out. <laughs> and I'm, I'm dialing up the bank, and I said, how do we do this? And sure enough, that Monday, the wire transfer went through, got the email, and I uh, texted her, and I said, it just got the confirmation. She said, I'm standing at the gate now at the airport, getting ready to board the plane. Now I can go to Europe. And uh, so I'm just telling you, if you will give, it will be given to you. Great measure, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will God, will God cause men to pour into your bosom? I want to encourage you today that you would be a part of God's provision through the hand of man but when it comes to you this way that you will never look at man as your source you will always give God the praise you will always give God thanks you will always give God the honor amen <clears throat> second way God gives to us is through the hand of God the hand of God now when it comes to the hand of God I've got an experience that that holds in my heart and in my life that nobody can take away from me when I say that God will provide by his hand, I don't mean just a uh, spiritual term, terminology of a hand. I've seen the hand of God. I was in a, in a very terrible situation at one time and about to crash and take my own life. And a hand, the hand of God, came through the roof of my car and saved my life. And then I went to a church out of desperation trying to get my answers and the pastor got up and he preaches out of Isaiah 41 and 10 about the right hand of God which is mighty to save. I'm telling you the hand of God is real and God is no respecter of persons and God has a powerful, powerful hand. In Exodus, I mean before we even get there, we see that when God wants to provide, he can change the nature uh, that, that is even around us to do what he wants to do. <clears throat> Amen. Remember Elijah in the middle of a drought, three and a half years, there was no rain. Three and a half years, there's, there, I mean, no rain, no crops. There was famine in the land. But the Bible says, he tells Elijah, you go by this brook, and, and it'd be like, normally, anybody in that day and age, after three and a half years, the brooks are the very shallow running uh, waters up in, in the mountain areas. They dry first when there's no rain. The, you know, the rivers may have a reservoir of water until it's evaporated, but the brooks are the first to dry up because there's no fresh rain. And there hadn't been no rain for three and a half years. But let me tell you what, the hand of God can reach beyond the bedrock of the earth and can cause forth water to flow even in the middle of a desert. He proved that with the Israelites when they were in the, in the wilderness for 40 years. And he dug a hole into the bedrock and caused water to flow out of a brook in the midst of a desert, and, I mean, in, in the midst of a drought, and he caused a raven, a scavenger, a selfish bird. If a bird was a dog, it was the puppy that is the alpha puppy that jumps in the feeding bowl and bites and growls at all of his fellow puppies and tells them, get away, get away, until he gets his fill. The raven is a scavenger. He's not a sharing bird. But yet he changed the nature of a raven and had a raven bring meat and bread to Elijah two times a day and he caused water to flow fresh in that brook to provide for Elijah. 
And in Exodus 16 and 14, you got a similar case where they go out, they're in the wilderness, the children of Israel are on their way from Egypt to the promised land. There is no food in the wilderness. And yet, they go out and it look, it says there was a la- like a layer of dew lifted. There on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, manna. Because manna means, what is it? For they did not know that it was what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. And for 40 years they received provision every day for six days a week and double on the sixth day that they could save up for the Sabbath, the seventh day, and have it then. From the hand of God they were fed and from the hand of God water came out of a rock and quenched the thirst of millions and millions of Israelites who were on their way through this wilderness following the Lord. I'm here to tell you today the hand of God has been proven throughout the scripture to meet our need. The hand of God has been proven to reach into the circumstance and the situation when the doctor can't perform, when the banker can't perform, when the employer can't perform, even when you physically cannot do for yourself. The hand of God throughout the scripture has always reached in and helped us in our time of weakness and lifted us up out of the circumstances in the situation where man was impotent but God was all powerful and brought us forth hallelujah and don't you dare ever in one second of your life doubt the hand of God you today need to say God I open my life up I believe in your mighty right hand which you reach in it's not short that it can't reach and save and I receive your hand to move and minister if it needs to open the windows of heaven open the windows of heaven but whatever it needs to be done God I know by your hand it can be performed I'm thanking you before it comes I'm thanking you before I see it because I know I can bless you when I walk in faith and I live by faith hallelujah praise the name of the Lord Philippians 4 19 you know it very well my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus now let me tell you what to be a true a Bible student that knows the word, you got to read the context of the word. That scripture sounds really good. And my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus forever. Hallelujah. But let me tell you what. Look what it's tied to. If you go back to verse 15, you'll say, here's Paul writing to this church there, the Philippians. And he says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia... No church shared with me concerning giving and receiving except for you. You sowed into the ministry that God called me into. God called me to be an apostle to advance his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And you sowed into this. Look now. For even in Thessalonica, when I was there, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. So here's the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound and I am fully and, and full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And now look, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
So what he says is, I rejoice in what comes out of your giving. And what has come out of your giving that I am celebrating and I am making you aware of is because you have given into what God is doing here on earth. Now God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The hand of God will get involved in where you have given into the advancement of his kingdom on earth. Hallelujah. And then the third way God gives uh, to us is our hand, your hand, your hand, your hand. Pick up your hands and look at them. Say, you have the power. Look at them. Say, you have the power to bring the blessing into my life. These hands that you have. In Joshua 5 and 12, then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. So here, when they came 40 years out of the wilderness and God's hand's been providing for them, now they come into the land that flows with milk and honey. They got to go and they've got, a, they've got vineyards they didn't plant, but they got to go and harvest. There's, there's milk and honey flowing, but they got to milk the cows and they got to go to the beehives and take out the honey. But they got to put their hands to this. They got to put their hands to this. And we got to understand that, that God has put a blessing on our hands. In, in Galatians 3, 13 and 14, the Bible says we have been redeemed from the curse. The curse has been taken off of us in Christ Jesus. And it wasn't just that we could walk around curse-free. I'm curse-free. I'm curse-free. Hallelujah. I'm curse-free. I'm curse-free. Praise the Lord. I'm curse-free. I'm cur No. He said in verse 14, you're curse-free so that the blessing of Abraham might come on you. God wants His blessing on you. He wants His covenant promise on you. What is part of that blessing? Deuteronomy 28 and 12, where verse 28, chapter 28 of Deuteronomy tells us those blessings. And the verse 12 says this, The Lord will open to you His good treasure, the heavens to give you the rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but shall not borrow. He says that God has come through His Son Jesus to take the curse off of you, that through Jesus, he can get the blessing on you, on your hands, that whatever you put your hands to, God can cause the heavens to come in agreement with it and bring forth the produce and bring forth the advancement and bring forth the growth. But you got to put your hands to it. This mindset of enablement or entitlement. So, you know, I'm just owed this and I'm just owed a life. And I'm just, that's the problem with the socialistic mindset. Let me tell you what, it causes us, it's a lie of the devil to cause us to take our hands out of the workplace and just do enough to get by. It really don't matter because somebody else is supposed to take care of me. Let me tell you what, there is somebody else that wants to take care of you, but he wants to do it in partnership. He wants to do it with super coming on the natural. He wants you to provide the natural and he'll provide the super. He just needs you to put your hand to something. Hallelujah. Know that when you go to work, I'm putting my hands on this assignment and the blessing of God is coming on this assignment. When you go into the classroom, I'm putting my hand on this assignment and the blessing of God is coming on this assignment. When you pull out the books, if you own your own business and you've got to put your hands on those books and you say the blessing of God is coming on these books. It's coming out of the red and it's going into the black. It's going to the next level. It's going to be used for God's kingdom in greater ways than ever before. It is your hand hand has to partner with the kingdom of God in his work. 
And then finally, the hand of your enemy. God will provide through the hand of your enemy. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Numbers 14 and 8 says, If the Lord delights in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are your bread. For they are your bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. So do not fear them. So stop fearing, walking in fear, and start walking in faith concerning your enemies. And here God is saying, I'm going to feed you through the hand of your enemy. I'm going to take care of you through the hand of your enemy. You could say, if you're going to reach a point, you know, to where you feed off of their attacks. What they mean for evil gets turned for good. They're, they're walking out of your life. Just open up God's opportunity to walk three more into your life. Come on now. You, gotta, you can't get, let the devil get you discouraged. You can't let the devil get you in fear. You can't let the devil get you looking at the circumstances. You've got to look at God. And what the devil means for evil, he's got Balaam hired to speak curses over his people. And there when he speaks curses, Baal has, uh, Balaam goes to speak a curse. God turns it. And it comes out a blessing. Hallelujah. The devil's trying to take you down, uh, but God's lifting you up through it. The devil's throwing stones at you, and those stones are becoming the stepping stones for the, for the next level in your life. They become your bread. What the devil thinks he's doing to suffocate and starve you out is really filling your pantry up and filling you up with all that you need to go for. Hallelujah. Man, you can't back down. You've got to stand up and say, I'm a child of God. I have the covenant of God, the covenant through Christ Jesus, the covenant through the blood of the Lamb, the covenant that is signed and sealed by the name that is above every name. And in that, that name, every knee has to bow in heaven, on earth, and even under the earth and declare His Lordship. Hallelujah. Man, when the devil attacks you, it's a sign that you are a high-value target. Man, so you start, stop whining about what the devil's doing and say, ah, I've got a high-level target. He's afraid of what he sees in me, what I'm not even seeing in myself. And instead of saying, I'm a grasshopper and he's a giant in my eyes, you need to do like David did with Goliath. He goes running to meet Goliath, the little boy running to meet Goliath. And he says, you might come at me with a sword and you might come at me with a shield and you might come at me with a spear, but I'm coming at you with something that's greater. I'm coming at you in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And this God took his hand and put it on the hand of, the, uh, of David and brought the enemy down. And then through the enemy, David gets promoted because of what the devil was doing to try and take him down. It took David up. Hallelujah. See, the level of attack on you will tell you two things. Will tell you how valuable you are in the assignment God has given you and the level of blessing that God has on the other side for you. Come on now. But you can't, you can't do one thing. There's one thing you can't do if you're going to get the blessing that's on the other side. In Galatians 6 and 9, he tells us, and let us not be weary. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, somebody say, this is my season. Go ahead and claim it. This is my season. For in due season, we will reap if we faint not. 
One of my jobs, I feel like God dipped me in the oil and pulled me up of anointing and says, you are to be a Holy Ghost preacher and you are to be a coach that encourages my sons and daughters to keep running in this race, to keep fighting in this fight and to not give up, but to get up every week and say it's time to go into this new week as a son, a daughter, as a soldier, as a victorious conqueror and to go forth in the name that is above every name and to go forth under the blood blood stained banner of Jesus Christ and to go forth from victory to victory through victory in everything that you do. Weary not in well doing. Are you going through a tough time now? You go to the doctor and the doctor says on a scale say one to ten where's the pain? Where's your pain at in the struggle you're in today? Is it one, five, seven, ten? Some say it's off the chart. I hear 12. Yeah. I'm here to encourage you. You can't judge a story by one scene. You can't judge what God is doing in your life and in the future by what's happening to you right now. If I look in the Bible and I read the story of Joseph, I see him in a pit, but that's just a scene. That's not the story. And when I look in the Bible at the story of Joseph in Potiphar's house, he's falsely accused for something he did not do, and he's thrown into prison. Let me tell you, that's but a scene. That's not the story. And when I look at Joseph's life and I see the betrayal, how his brothers, they stripped him of his dignity and they stripped him of his robe and they stripped him of his dream and they stripped him of his family. But that's just a scene. That's not the story. And when I look at Jesus, the Son of the living God, and I see Him there with a crown of thorns, and I see Him hanging on that cruel cross, forsaken by everyone who once even followed Him, that's just a scene. That's not the story. And I came here to declare to somebody here today that the current scene of your life is not the story. This is the beginning. It's not the ending. The layover is not your destination. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, God sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end and He's faithful to complete that which He has begun. He is the author and the finisher of our faith and we are to turn our affections and our focus on Him. Hallelujah. See, there's more to the story. There's more to the story of your life. And if you give up when you're in the pit, you will never see the palace. And if you despise the day of small beginnings, you'll never see rulership of greater things. You've got to believe that the scene that you are in is just the setup for the story. Hallelujah. I declare to you today, there's more to your story. I declare to you today, abuse was a scene, it's not the story. Divorce was a scene, it's not the story. That accident was a scene, but it's not the story. Cancer is but a scene, but it's not the story. Bankruptcy was but a scene, but it is not the story. Depression is but a scene, but it's not the story. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Don't get your focus on the scene. 
But get your focus on the story. And the story is I've created you to be the head and not the tail. I've created you to be above only and not beneath. I've created you to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. Whether you're in the city or you're in the country, that the blessing would be upon you. The scene may not look like a blessing, but hold on, saith the Lord. i got a story for your life. I've got a way that's going to bring you up and out and over for my glory and the advance in our kingdom. Don't get caught up in the scene. Don't stop the movie there and just weep and cry. Know that there's victory. Know there's an overcomer. Know there's a conqueror. Know there's healing. Know there's deliverance coming out of this. Finish the story. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's more to your story. And here's part of your story. Proverbs 6.31 says, If the thief be found, he has to repay sevenfold. You thought you lost it, but it's coming back seven times. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's coming back to you. The provision's coming back to you. You look and you think what you lost is gone. But when you are committed to keep running this race, and thank God, you got the hand of God changing the nature of that raven, and that raven, instead of stealing from you, is bringing sevenfold back to you. That thing's been building up interest on a multiplied scale, on an exponential scale, and it's coming back to you. I say this is our season. I say this is our day. I say this is our moment. I say this is our year. Right now, beginning to Today I declare there's more to my story. There's more to my story. Hallelujah. Praise God. God provides four ways. Through the hand of man. But you got to give. He says you got to sow. You got to give. He says give and it shall be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Will God have men give? So the hand of man given to you, you got to give. I didn't know that obedience in that chapel. I wept a lot because it was a big decision to take everything I'd earned. Having been homeless and then had much. And now God says, give it all away. 90%, live on 10. Let me show you what I'll do. But I'm so glad I gave it. Because those thousands of dollars I gave has come back to be millions and millions over the years. The hand of God through the hand of man. God brought us the opportunity to start this church. Give us this property. Give us this place. Just do a work of God here. God showed us you, Mr. Lambert. We called you from South Carolina. It's yours. Do something that'll do, bring glory to God. Given the publishing opportunity with the Shepherd's Guide 12 years ago, was given the ownership opportunity of the International Publishing Inc. a, year, a little over a year ago. Opportunities that I see, they came through the hand of man, but it was also orchestrated by the hand of God. And it came by good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. I've seen the hand of God 
And you, whether you've seen his physical hand, you've seen his hand deliver. You've seen his hand lift up. You've seen his hand provide. And you will continue to do so. But he also wants to flow through your hands. Put your hands on something and don't curse it. I hate this job. I hate this school. I hate my employer. I hate uh, 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 death. You're putting your hand on it with the blessing and you're cursing it. You're, you're cursing it. The blessing can't prosper. So whatever you put your hands on it, let your tongue and your attitude stand behind it. It may not be the perfect job, but it's how God, it's, it's, a, it's a land. Abraham told Lot, wherever you want to go, take your flock and wherever you want to go. Lot said, I want the plush the valley. Abraham said, so you're going to leave me the rocks up here, the scrags of grass. He said, yeah, uncle, you said I could have it. He said, okay, go. Because Abraham knew that whatever I put my hands to, it's going to be blessed. The desert will even bloom again. If I put my hands to it and the favor of God comes on it. So Abraham goes and he's blessed. Let me tell you what, you can go to that crummy job, but stop calling it a crummy job. Put my hands on it. Put it on your department. Put it on your classroom. Put it on whatever God's put you to put your hand on, no matter how small or how large an opportunity. Because the blessing's not small. And the blessing's not weak. See, the blessing of God that comes on your work, even if it's seemingly a not-so-influential office yet, doesn't matter. The blessing that comes on someone who may have a higher uh, uh, office that is seemingly influencing more, it's the same blessing. It's the same blessing. God just needs you to put your hands on it with his favor. And then the hand of your enemy. The enemy's going to keep coming at you. He's going to keep lying to you. He's going to keep attacking you. But you say, what you're doing, devil, is become my bread. You are only encouraging me and strengthening me to do even more because I see the value that is on my life now. You, devil, have shown the value on my life, which has encouraged me to ramp it up even more to the glory of God. I close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower, he gives seed to who? So in order for you to get seed from God, you got to be a what? So, and that's not sower like you're sowing something. That's a sower like a farmer. Okay, just to be clear. And bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So God says, I'll, all, I'll give you seed if you're committed to sow. I'll bring bread for food and supply. And then I'll multiply the seed that you sowed and increase, bring increase in your life. I want you, as you wrap up this year, I don't want you to begrudge anything you've given unto the Lord whether it's given of your time and talents and given of your anointing, given of your gifts, given of your finances. Let me tell you what, whatever you give it, don't, don't curse it. Don't curse it. Say, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that I could sow into your kingdom work so that you are still in line for the multiplication, for the increase that God has promised, which will only promote you to do even more next year for his glory. Anybody want to be in a position to do even more next year? 
that Pastor Deacon and I, we do a divine audit every year. And we sit down and we go over and we say, okay, we look at our time, how we've spent our time this year, our talents and our giftings and anointings. And we look at how we spent our money and how we've given. And we used to sit down and say, well, we've given, we'd have a column of what we've given. And we'd say, we've given our tithes. And the Lord rebuked us one time. And he says, how is it you've given, given me time? And I said, well, you know, we're like, well, God, you know, actually, God, we, we did like 20%, you know, but we've given you the tithe. And he says, you didn't give me the tithe. And he gave me this illustration. Like if I took my iPad and I handed it to Brother Harry, and Brother Harry wanted to do Facebook during the service and, and catch up with his friends, he would never do that, but, but just, just saying. And at the end of the service, he'd come up to me and say, Pastor, I want to I wanna gift this iPad to you. I want to give you this iPad's very valuable. I want to give this to you. I would look at him cockeyed. I said, that's mine. You open it up and it's got the church and it's got Pastor Tim Lambert, my phone number. What do you mean you're giving me my iPad? You're giving me back what I gave you. Well, the Bible says that the tithe belongs to the Lord. So if the tithe is God's, it's not ours. That's why he says we're a thief if we, if we take it, right? So we had to move our tithing into a different category and we put that we, we honored God we honored God with his tithe it's his we honored him with it so he could prove, test us and, and, and prove that we could he could trust more with us so then we had an offering that's why he said bring the tithes and the offerings so then we looked at our offering from what we gave to him. and we do that every year and this week we're going to do the same thing and, uh, and, and I hope we've not forgotten anything because that's the last thing I'd ever want to do but I tell you what, if we do, we're coming back here next Sunday with a Christmas offering of ketchup. And then we're going to actually double it. Whatever, if we miss anything, Lord, we're just going to bless you and double it. We always make, we always make that commitment. We're just going to double it because we want to honor you. But then we're going to say because of this great increase in our life this year, we're even going to go beyond that. We're going to do even more in this Christmas offering than we did in our last Christmas offering. All because we understand the ways that God provides for us. Because if you ever take it out of his hands and try to make life on your own, it's hard. You can do it, but it's hard. God says he gives us increase without sorrow. There are many wealthy people that have increased, even using principles of God's word, they got increased, but there's much sorrow in their life. Don't you want to increase without sorrow? Amen? Amen. Four ways God provides for you, the hand of man, Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. Father, I believe first and foremost, we need to do a divine inventory of where we stand and who has our full allegiance. So Holy Spirit, I pray that as you're speaking to each and every one of us, we would hear you speak to us individually. And I believe the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to each of you today. Just say, God, what are you saying? I want to take this moment and hear what saith the Lord. In this divine audit of my commitment and my allegiance, first and foremost, you tell us, God, that unless you are Lord over all, you're not Lord at all. So, Lord, if any of us are under the delusion because we've given you part of our life, that we're okay. Lord, let us sober up right now to the truth. You don't take just part of us. You take all of us. 
And we need to surrender all of us to you today. We need to surrender our relationships. We need to surrender our gifts. We need to surrender our talents. We need to surrender our anointings. We need to surrender our calling. We need to surrender our finances. We need to surrender our friends. We need to surrender our health. We need to surrender all to you. And you tell us in your word that if we will confess you, Jesus, as being the Lord over all of our life and believe in our heart that God has raised you from the dead, we shall be saved. Lord, I pray every person under the sound of my voice would make that decision to confess you, Jesus, as Lord of all. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I surrender my life to you. I yield my life to you.